0: Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio, my name is Bill Matz, I'm your director of fun and games for the evening, wow, just wow, I mean the Flyers are on the precipice of history, I don't know if it's never happened before, but there's almost no way mathematically that a team before the 40th game has two 10 game losing streaks, it seems impossible. Uh, So I'm going to say the Flyers are about to accomplish something incredible uh, with one game. Game number 40 on Thursday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They can bring this home uh, and just really corner the market on ineptitude uh, in the National Hockey League and in sports in general. Uh, So let's get everyone's thoughts on it. Uh, Let's just get right into it. Let's get to the intros. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle.
2: So, uh, much like Leon Dreisaitl, I, too, am pissy, so I will apologize in advance to Charlie, because apparently his people are offended by pissiness.
1: Yeah, i <laughs> so sorry. I missed, like, all of that yesterday, because I was oh, wonderful. working on articles, um, but apparently it was a whole thing. Like, people really went crazy over it on social media.
2: I'm not going to say that you missed it,
1: really. <laughs> I wouldn't
0: say I've been missing it, Bob.
2: <laughs> it <laughs> was just uh, I mean, it was, like, you know, one of those things. It was, like, the war check thing. I, I,
0: I will say, like, players, like, apparently Matheson and will have some sort of prior history where they don't like each other. Well, Matheson so, sucks. Yeah, whatever.
3: I mean, there's definitely that.
0: Okay. Yeah. However, if players are going to get mad that, like, they're being asked legitimate questions, like, hey, what the fuck's the matter? Uh and they don't expand on their answers, then they can't get mad when the uh, analysis of no. hockey is so surface level and bullshit. Hold on. If you're you only know. ever you know. going to say, we need to no, be better, I'm we need to pause. be better. No, I'm still pause. talking. I'm still talking. No. If Okay, if but you're did own, you listen to the full are-
3: interview or just the viral part? Because the full interview, Jim Matheson asked the same question, Three times before the viral part. Okay. So he was trying to, to, he was definitely poking at Leon Dreisaitl. And Leon Dreisaitl gave a great answer to the first question. And even the second question. And then the viral video starts and it's the same question over again. And obviously Jim Matheson is looking for a better answer than... Or or a specific answer, and Leon's not gonna say it. Like he's not, Dreisidle isn't gonna throw his goalie under the bus, isn't gonna throw his teammates under the bus, and that's what Matheson is looking for. So when he says, You're being pissy, Leon Dreisettle says, No, I'm not, and he says, Yes, you are, every time I ask a question. Jim Matheson is pissed off that Leon Dreisidel isn't giving him the quote that he wants. That's what happened here.
0: I'm saying, in general, if players are only ever gonna say we need to be better at everything, gotta get pucks deep, then they can never ever get mad when hockey analysis is only surface level. Ah, oh, strip no, the but, C. Because that's that's all you ever give us.
2: Okay, so that that presupposes that a hockey writer can't do a good job at writing articles unless a player says specific words in a specific order that he can use in said article. Like, Jim Matheson could write an article analyzing why the, the Oilers are bad. Charlie does that shit all the time. And I don't think he requires a quote from, like, Claude Giroux to do it. Like, he looks at what's happening on the ice. He looks at the numbers. He writes an article analyzing what's the fuck wrong with the Flyers. If Jim Matheson wanted to do that, he could. He doesn't want to. He wants to be lazy, and he wants Leon Draisaitl to tell him what's wrong with the Oilers so that he could just print that shit and be like, see, they suck. I but, told you.
0: But does it not speak to what the organization is if the player can't tell you what's wrong?
2: I, I mean, I'm no, sure no, that he can. I'm sure that he can. But like, if, if he if refuses, Charlie says, that says if something says too. To Claude Giroux, what's wrong with your team? Why is the team losing? Like, Claude Giroux is not going to say like, "Well, the defense is horseshit. Yeah. Everything sucks. No one's working hard." Like, they're not going to say that because those are their. That's his team. Like, he's not. going And say maybe that he shit.
0: should.
3: Absolutely no, it, not!
2: Don't do that!
3: Don't no, do that! It, that they're would never, be
2: unprofessional. They're never going to do then, that. Then, then we would have to hear about what a shitty leader he is for throwing his team under the bus. Like, come on! It, I
0: mean, there's he's no winning. Him. There's hear
2: no winning he's for that.
0: He's protected him for because ten years German. and he's gotten him nowhere. It's
2: a professional interaction, and Matheson has no space to say what he said. Like, for, be a fucking adult, my dude. Like, you're at work. You don't get to ask another adult man why he's being pissy in his conversation with you and expect him to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I won't be pissy with you anymore, Jim. What do you want to know? Like, come on. It's nonsense. People
0: get mad at each other at work. Like, that shit happens.
2: Yeah, I know. But you don't say you don't say to someone at work, Dolores, why are you being pissy? Like, that's not going to be a productive conversation for anybody.
1: So I'm going to throw in a couple things here. Because um, I think there's actually a lot. There's a lot of not angles, but there's a lot of levels to this that um, I think some of the more thoughtful people have brought up, um, and, and I'll kind of touch on a few. Number one, and, and I do think this is a key element to understanding why these things seem to be popping up more now, um, you know, in the last year and a half. The, the entire Zoom interview thing, it fucking sucks, and it sucks for everyone. You can tell the players hate it, Journalists definitely hate it because we're not getting one-on-one access. We're not getting locker room access. And I do think that does play into the, like, it plays into the tension that's arising in these situations because in the past, and I've seen this, I've seen this multiple times in the locker room, if a guy's mad at a writer for writing an article that they disagree with or they think is unfair, the player will call out the reporter. But they'll usually call out the reporter like in the locker room when the only people that can see it are the other writers and, of course, their teammates. But like, that's better than this when no one has access to the players and these types of call outs have to happen in broadcasted zoom sessions because it's the only the actual time we can, press conference yeah it's the yeah. only time we can actually talk to these guys and like i'm not saying that i disagree with the fact that there's covid protocol i'm just saying like it's a shitty situation for everyone and everyone's kind of on edge i think especially when a team is bad like the oilers are like the flyers are and like this shit's gonna happen that said and this is another important part of it these sort of things rarely sometimes they do sometimes a guy's just in a bad mood and he blows up on a journalist blows up on a question or whatever, or a journalist, like, a journalist is having, you know, not an A-game day, and, you know, he or she asks a dumb question that is presented in a dumb way, and the player is just like, that's fucking stupid. Um, Most of the time, this stuff builds up over time. This stuff builds up in that, like, Leon Dreisaitl didn't get disrespectful with, with Matheson because, he was annoyed with this one question. Or, oh, yeah, where yeah. Matheson went this far one time. This stuff happens because over months and years of interaction these guys have clashed. And eventually it escalates to the point where there's blood, Like, the Mike sealski jake Voracek thing, like, that didn't come out of nowhere. That came <laughs> out of years of Mike Sielski being extremely critical in almost all of his columns on the Flyers of Claude Drew and Jake Voracek, and then him publishing a column that Jake Voracek thought was just flat-out not true. It went beyond criticism. It was just an inaccurate portelling of what had actually happened in the locker room one day. Like, that's where that stemmed from. And in those situations, it's hard for me to be truly sympathetic to the writer when it's like you could have de-escalated this situation previously by either being more fair in your criticism or actually dealing with this with the player one-on-one. Granted, as I said, that's tough for now because we're not getting one-on-one access mostly because of COVID, and that 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 plays into this. But there's a reason why I think that... like. Look, it's no secret that the Edmonton Media Corps is not the most respected around the league, particularly from people like under the age of 40 that are fans, because they look at it and they're just like, these, like, this entire media core isn't hard. They're, they're very favorable towards management. They don't hold management yeah. accountable. Oh, they blame yeah. everything on the play. They blame everything on the players. When in reality, like guys like Peter Shirelli are the reason why Connor McDavid isn't winning playoff series. It's because he didn't know how to build a team. And Ken Holland isn't doing a heck of a lot better. I think he's better than Shirelli, but he's not doing significantly better. And Charlie, a lot of, we the, have a McDavid lot of the and Dreisaitl. The NBA,
0: Make the first yeah, round picks not on the table. We're not going for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane. But
1: I, I think that had that reputation not been out there, like I guess my point is is that there are there are a bunch of journalists out there that are very highly respected, I think, among everyone, and you rarely, if ever, see a, see a player really go at one of them, and I don't think that's a coincidence.
0: I agree. I was more – I just – I think it's all hilarious, and I think talking to the players is typically pointless – uh, because they give you nothing. I just think, in general, players, if they want more than surface-level criticism, have to provide a little more. Otherwise, you're going to get nothing but strip the sea grit-and-heart bullshit. Like, yes, Charlie does a so- tremendous job. But, if the players are unwilling to do their part, you can't really get mad about it.
3: Charlie essentially said the same thing as me and Kelly you yelled at me and Kelly well, I didn't yell at you I
0: yelled because I was speaking and then you decided it was your turn even though I was in the middle of a sentence from the athletic.com charlie oh my, charlie I bet. I bet. Charlie oh o- my god Connor. are we
3: still on in intros yeah i think we
0: are well i yeah. mean is it better than talking about the flyers it um is.
1: Yeah, I guess, like, I, since I really don't have an intro aside from, yeah. like, the team I cover is real bad, and I'm kind of trying to figure out how to write content about this team isn't just saying over and over again that they're real bad. Um, it's which difficult. Is um, I just kind of to follow up on what you were saying, Bill, about, you know, players giving reporters something. I think, like, and I don't I don't cover Leon Dreisaitl, so I don't know how open he is with the media, but there is an element of truth to that in the sense that, like, I'm gonna bring up a name that okay, I, I'll I'll go this far. Nolan Patrick. Classic example. Like like Nolan Patrick is one of those guys where like he was purposely very difficult with the media. And he thought he was justified for lots of reasons, and that's fine. It's his right to treat the media like shit if he wants to. The thing is, is like it's ma- it makes it more likely that the coverage you get is gonna be shitty.
0: Yeah. And your perception like, is gonna be a loof asshole if you act yeah. like an aloof asshole.
1: Like that's the thing, and and like, look, I'm not saying that like, hey, it's your right to do whatever the hell yeah, you want, go dude. For and it. like, I, you know, f- for me personally, I'm going to try to be as professional as possible in the way I write about you. And when when he was struggling last year, I would always be like, look, the guy missed a full season. He had serious, you know, head issues in terms of his migraines and possibly post concussion. Like, let's cut him some slack here. But like, actions have consequences, and. Not everyone is going to be that charitable. So there is an element of give and take here where, like, if you want favorable or fair coverage, you probably should give a little bit to the reporters, most of whom, or maybe I'm being a little bit too far, many of whom aren't aren't paragons of integrity.
0: (laughs) That's what I will say. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver.
3: I can't believe that we're still doing introduction. Fuck it. Um, so, <laughs> I fell down the stairs about a month ago, just maybe three and a half weeks ago, and I <laughs> Are you okay? gave myself a high ankle sprain. I gotta tell you guys, these things fucking suck. Yeah, yeah they do. It's been almost a month, and the fucker's still swollen. I still can't walk on it. Let alone do any type of physical therapy. So sometimes when you're a complete idiot and jackass, you kind of stumble into some sympathy for NHL players because this shit sucks.
0: Nothing wrecks a fantasy football team like a high high ankle sprain, I'll tell you that. Particularly for a running back. High ankle sprain. Yeah, they never come back. No, he's he's day-to-day he's on a fucking hot, hot. I am
3: marker. day-to-day for the rest of my life because this is it's awful. I can't walk on it. I can't do anything, and God forbid the dog jumps on it while I'm asleep. Because fuck. Like I'm I'm in this ankle brace. I'm on I'm in two because one isn't good enough to stabilize the fucking ankle. It's a nightmare. And I do not wish this on anyone. Go.
1: So, Steph, now we will we will just literally get into, like, friends on the phone talk. I had a high ankle sprain my senior year of high school, and my one piece of advice to you on this is, like, if you can do exercises at some point, do them, because mm. for me, my high ankle sprain did not fully heal to the point where it wasn't hurting anymore until, like, two years after I graduated college, and that was because, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I, and that was because I didn't do the shit. Like legitimately what happened was it finally got better because in college I did like no exercise at all. I just like, you know, walked around, went to class and drank. Um,
3: Relatable. Yeah. Yep. yep.
1: So then after college, I was like, hey, maybe I should like get into shape again. And I started running and the first like six months of running, it hurt every time I ran. And then finally the pain went away because like I actually was building up the muscles around the high ankle sprain. So like, don't be me actually do <laughs> actually do the rehab and like work to improve like you know to rebuild your ankle because high ankle sprains stink they take a while to to, to get better but like they don't That's have to awful. take that long they don't have to take that long
3: i actually i really think i'm gonna need surgery like i think i tore a ligament um but who has time for surgery right now i certainly don't so i'm just living in a brace.
0: yeah i need nasal surgery that ain't happening like We'll be able to... Oh yeah,
3: no, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I need, but who's got time? Who's got time? Alright, so uh Nummy.
0: speaking of time, it's been a little while since this team was like thoroughly enjoyable. So to start uh, the show, yeah, you a little know, bit. 30 minutes in. Uh to start the show, I just want like give me a random great Flyers memory just to like get us off on the right foot here. Something positive, and I am going to take. 2004 Game 6 against Tampa, as well as 2010 Game 7 against Boston, off the table. Uh, so just something random great that aren't those two games that we talk about all the time. I'll I'll get us started. Something that popped in my head when I just started thinking about this. I remember listening to a game on the radio in 2008, and they just so happened to be talking about Mike Knubel's zero career hat-tricks, considering all the goals he scored. And he goes on to score a hat-trick that day in a 3-0 win against the Ducks. Natty Hattie. Uh, and it just, like, it's such a likable guy, Mike Knubel, hard worker, just has one of those yes. moments that, like, I don't know, fucking 12 years, 14 years later, I just remember for some reason. Uh, just a, a solid, good memory. Anyone have something positive?
3: I have one, but I'm, I'm looking up the year that it happened, here we go, 2016. Flyers were middling, as per usual. Um, And I went to the last home game of the season. I had great seats, like upper level, so mezzanine level, center ice, first row. So I had the little ledge to put my Bev and my feet, um, and had the, the nice little overview. And the Flyers were playing the Penguins. And I believe that this is the game that the Flyers knocked out both of the Penguins goalies. Flyers beat the Penguins to make the playoffs. And the atmosphere in the Wells Fargo Center was insane. That's my good Flyers memory. I had to look up the year because I couldn't. Remember, because around that time, there were so many Flyers teams that last day of the season, if you beat this team, you make the playoffs. (laughs) That feels like the whole 20 teens. Basically. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so I just had to look up the year, and it was. It was April 2016.
2: I was going to talk about something from 2010, because that's legitimately the last time I had a lot of fun. Watching the Flyers, and there was actually like, I made a lot of friends that season. I started like a stupid Facebook page that people really liked. It's the whole reason that I ended up working at Broad Street Hockey. So there was like a lot going That's on. That's my year favorite for
0: me. origin story ever. <laughs> it's better than Spider Man. Um,
2: but then I just remembered I was at the game uh, where Claude Giroux broke a hundred points by. I think he scored a hat trick that game. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, I was at that game. And I think that that game also got them into the playoffs, if I'm yeah, remembering correctly. It did. Yeah. They had yeah. to win it. it and Claude did. Giroux got over 100 points. That was yeah. uh, legitimately a very electric And then moment.
0: somehow that he didn't is a win the Hart memory. Trophy. And yeah. then, he, yeah,
2: he didn't get the MVP because
0: reasons. Yeah. But, yeah. Even though yeah. he was very clearly I, I remember, the MVP.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I distinctly remember watching that game on my TV and when he scored... For that hundredth point, I remember standing up and just, like, screaming in a good way. That's a great memory. And then he
1: kept scoring. He got more. And then he kept scoring. Yeah.
2: Before Charlie shares shares his moment, I have a question specifically for Bill, because we're the same person in this regard. Do you, because I've been thinking a lot about this, do you think that Claude Drew leaving, which I think is an inevitability at this point... Do you think it's going to hurt more than Mike Richards for you or less? I can't really decide what's... I feel like it's going to hurt less only because I've had time to mentally prepare. But I feel like that's one of those things where it's like... If you are mentally preparing for someone to die, it's still never easier once they die. And I'm wondering if it's going to be like that with Drew.
0: At the time of Richards... um, And this kind of ties into what we talked about earlier in the show. When they get swept by Boston in 2011 he ducked out and like that was it and when he kind of just shirked his duties as the captain and didn't didn't really stand up and you know take accountability i was done with that core like i understood why they all had to go i was Um, i was still kind of shocked when it happened looking back maybe they could have gotten through it and everything um it's odd to choose a coach over players uh, especially in a sport where, like, the best coaches last maybe five years, and <laughs> but, uh, you just
2: signed these two players to long-term. Yeah. Big I contracts? just
0: realized. I just realized Jeff Carter never even played under that contract. Not here. It was an ex- <laughs> yeah. It was an extension. It was an extension that didn't kick in until after they fucking traded it. But yeah, yeah. I think this is going to hurt let, more. Let
3: Charlie. Let Charlie give his good memory because I've yeah. got a lot to say about Claude Giroux. Okay, is that okay? Yeah, that's good. Right. Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry I cut you off again, but I've got a lot to say, and I didn't no, want to No, and
0: have, we have, like, the next Charlie. three months to do Claude Giroux
1: content. Yeah. That is true. We do. Um, so I guess, I, if you don't mind, if I could do two. Yeah, um, I have, like, Oh, I'll my do... God. Unbelievable. Oh, Charlie's
3: got two good memories from this team? No, well,
1: because it's, <laughs> it, it's weird for me to, like, the reason why I would say I have two is because there's one from when I was a fan, and then one more as a writer um because it's it's a different feel it's a different feel you know for both so the one when I was a writer was uh, and I actually was going back trying to find this game because I I knew it existed I remember it vividly and I did find it there was a game in 2016 so this was the 2015-2016 season this was the ghost season the year they got to the playoffs because ghost had his incredible rookie year and If you remember, like the Flyers weren't that good in the first half of that season. They call up ghosts, they start figuring it out, and then the second half, they start playing really well. This is the first Hackstall year. And this was also the first year that I was covering the team essentially full-time. I was still writing for Broad Street Hockey, um, but I had essentially quit my job in marketing. I was basically working part-time at my marketing agency, managing a few clients, and then covering the Flyers on a daily basis, going to practices, going to games, writing almost every day for BSH. Um, they played the Lightning in March of that year. And, like, the playoffs were not assured at this point. I think they still had, had had more losses than wins. But they played the Lightning in a game, and the Lightning were real good that year. I mean, this was, like, the heart of the Lightning being real good. This, I think this was probably, like, a couple years into the Lightning being real friggin' good again. And the Flyers in the second period just took them apart. I mean, it wasn't like the Flyers are winning. This was the Flyers are just boat racing the lightning they ended up out shooting them 22 to 6 in the in the second period and it was just sheer dominance and I, they actually they came out of the second period they weren't winning they were down they were tied 1-1 um but i remember walking through the press box after that period and just being like holy shit like i'm covering a good hockey team like these guys are good I, I'm covering a good hockey team and like the future's bright. Like Shane Gaza's Bears is awesome. And it was just one of those like moments of like this rules. Like Wait a this is like this is kind of what I want to do for the rest of my life if I can, because this is this is a blast. Has this is anyone, gonna be a lot of fun.
2: Has anyone considered that since Charlie became a full time beat writer, flyers <laughs> have <that's> been trash?
0: <laughs> I think it proceeds people me
2: people bit. were talking about the Sam Carcini curse, but maybe there's a Charlie <laughs> O'Connor curse. That we need to talk about.
0: I'm I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Ghost because that whole, like from his Frozen Four into that rookie year, like the God, OT heroics, fun. I think it was that lightning game. He had an awesome, uh, he, he ducks into the offensive zone and puts a goal home against the lightning. It was my most popular tweet ever because it was like a bay, uh, you know, come over. I can't. Hedman's not home. And then it's him like, charging in and scoring i did i did a meme uh <laughs> the uh like it was just so electric goss Despair, the whole thing my favorite was in the playoffs he scored on his birthday uh which happens to be april 20th uh that was a lot of fun 20 quite nice <laughs> yeah uh I, like that that false hope of the Gostas bear rookie season really it's it was so much fun and it hurts so bad now cuz like that should be that should be who this team is like you they should what, be though? led they should be led by that group right now and instead they they're just fucking terrible
2: you say false hope i and i don't want to really get into this because i've been thinking about it a lot and i've like constructed a novel in my mind about it um <laughs> But like, the Flyers ruined Claude drew, or Shane Gossesbear. Claude drew too, really. But Shane, I mean, Shane Gossesbear didn't get to play like he did. Now, was he ever going to be as good as he was that rookie year? No, I'm not stupid. I know that that was a bit of a lightning in a bottle situation. But
0: but that third year with Provorov was like maybe not highlight wise really just as him good, him. but it was just as good. And the I f- I, I also good. think that injuries played a bigger role than certainly, probably. <laughs> I mean, I've he's a little thinking, guy and he had some bad injuries.
2: With uh, all the the weirdo's obsession about culture with the Flyers and like getting back to some culture that they've invented in their mind that never really existed. I've been thinking a lot about like abolish the salary cap in my opinion. Right, pl- like players coming here and like not getting better and like highly touted prospects never really panning out and like maybe the Flyers culture has been bad for a long time and the one that you want back was bad too. And maybe this whole idea of like trying to get back to a thing from way, way before, like the 90s, uh, maybe that's the thing that's holding the organization back. Like maybe try to think a little bit about now.
0: I mean, even I mean, can, like the 80s. A point, can I, Go ahead, John. Can, can I make
1: a porter bell? Because this is something that like has kind of cracked me up a lot about some of the criticisms of this team I've seen on social media is that it is funny to me that, <laughs> that like, one thing that you kept seeing was that the Flyers quit on their coaches, and this shows how dysfunctional the culture is. And, like, okay, like, that's reasonable. Sure. But let's remember that the era in which you guys hold up as this amazingly great, when the Flyers were the Flyers, like... Didn't they quit on like three coaches in like a five-year span? They,
2: they including one that like like, against Bill Barber, a a storied alumnus. (laughs)
0: Like they, they the general manager said a coach shouldn't have gotten cancer. Like
3: they fired. Let us all remember. They
0: went to the Stanley Cup and then fired the fucking coach who got them there. Like (laughs) this. This thing has been a shit show since yeah. the night, like since yeah. Mike since Keenan. The salary yeah. cap, like before the salary, since before the salary cap, like Mike Keenan fucking leaves. Like all this, like it's always been dysfunctional. They just had a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Like, the Flyers,
1: <laughs> the Flyers brand has always been chaos. It's just they could outspend everyone and exactly. get out of it now. And now they can't.
2: And now they can't. And so chasing down, uh failure i mean maybe we focus someplace else maybe like, we focus on like building a team the way the other successful teams yeah, have built like, their team maybe try maybe to we get, do it
0: that way maybe try to get point and kucherov late i don't know like, like you, i see
2: i see people talking about like lawson kraus or Kruz, whatever the fuck his name is and i'm like this is like if, if flyers <laughs> fans being like oh you could probably get him for nothing and like uh, like what like, this is what you want to do to improve the team. Like, this is exa- like this is the same <laughs> dumb move that Flyers fans have wanted the team to do over and over again forever. It's like Groundhog Day. It's very annoying. What's and great. I hate this all entire, of you.
3: Like, I can't They're keep tired. building an entire team around bottom six forwards. Like, or guys well that may,
2: so maybe they'll come here and be good. Newsflash, they <laughs> never do that. That never happens.
3: Never, never not. Once. No, and or this John guy Leclerc was really good five years ago. Yeah. Let's bring him in. I like, I not watch Keith Yandel another fucking game. I can't do it.
0: I okay. I said-
1: so can, can I can I now go into my other? Oh yeah yeah. yeah, one? yeah.
3: Sorry, I like charlie being i polite t- now I totally I don't care. we're asking if we thing. can interrupt each other charlie Look at us. i'm so sorry
1: oh man um, no I, I think this is actually probably a good intro into um what steph wanted to talk about uh which is claude drew because my other memory is a claude drew memory because so, so some background i think i talked about this on the show like claude Giroux, basically from the time he was drafted like was the pl- like he was like going to be my next favorite player. Like I remember, you know, watching highlights after he got drafted been like, "Holy shit, this kid's good." And then I remember being in college watching uh Gatineau games like on awful streams in the the library on campus because I wanted to watch his junior games because I was so hyped up on how good this this kid was going to be. And you know, he he gets he gets called up um, he's okay he had a really good uh, pl- uh play or not play he had a really good run in that Pittsburgh series they lost in six games when he played like half the year and then in 2009 2010 he was again fine but maybe not quite living up to you know the hopes of everyone and then in that playoff run in 2010 he goes crazy and he's he breaks out and i'll never forget it's still probably my favorite flyers game ever just because there's like personal things too like there was some family shit that was going on that was really rough and like it was kind of one of those days where like man i really need a friggin' pick me up here and it was game three they were down 2-0 and to see Drew score the overtime goal and make that a series again I mean, that's just a moment that, like, will always stick with me. And it's one of those moments where, why like, I always get annoyed when people are like, Claude Drew isn't clutch. Like, guys, the dude scored an overtime game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup final. Like, yep. I don't know what, what else is more clutch than that aside from doing it in Game 7 and how many people have done that. Maybe, like, two. Um, that game will just always stick in my memory as, like, you know, kind of like the high point of my Flyers fandom, because not only did they win this must win game in dramatic fashion, it was like, it was my favorite player whose jersey I was wearing at the time who did it. And it was just one of those really, really cool moments. And Claude Drew has had so many of those really cool moments, I think, for a lot of different fans um you know obviously my relationship with drew is different now because i'm not really a fan anymore now i cover him as a professional but for the fans that are still just pure fans i mean there's probably so many moments over the last decade that they can think back on that that claude drew just you know was one of those plays one of those goals one of those passes that just will always stick in their mind and and that's why it sucks so much that it looks like it's going to end the way it's going to end
0: when he got that uh when he got that two-game emergency call-up before his rookie season, and Stevens put him out there in the, uh, yeah, in, the in the shootout, just yeah. because they were like, "Well, fuck yeah. it, he's probably our best off." Like, he <laughs> yeah, didn't right. score, and it was still so exciting. Like I remember yeah, it. Really it cool. I yeah. like, oh yeah, here you go, kid. It, this is yours. Where I think they were in Ottawa too, which was just, I uh think so, yeah, which yeah. which was absolutely insane. Uh, I just have one more, and then we can move on speaking of uh breakaways oh geez we're not even going to talk about the shootout but uh no. mike, mike richards mike richards in 08 in the 08 playoffs gets that uh gets that penalty shot against the caps oh, fucking yeah. nets it oh, yeah. does the ov that. does the ov celebration mm. and it happened at i want to say the exact moment Pat Burl hit a walk-off home run uh, across the street at Citizens Bank. And, like, the two games ended very uh, closely together. And, like, coming out of there, it was the reason you love the sports complex. Like, everyone was going fucking nuts. I had a friend at the game send me, like, a grainy cell phone video of the Richards goal. And I was like, I just saw Pat Burl win the game. Like, this is fucking insane. Uh, like, and it happened at the exact same time. So, just, man, good, good... There were good times. They've, they've happened. They were I, a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I've got ago. one more,
3: too. As as we're sitting here talking it through, I, I am surprised that you didn't put the Penguins playoff series as one thing that we should not be able to talk about because I think that that one, and, and of course I forget the year, but you all know the series 20, that I'm talking about. 12, yeah. Yeah. 2012. 2012 is what I was
2: going to shift at the start of the game, that
1: one. With the head. Yeah. 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 Game, yeah. game yeah. six. That was nuts.
3: I, I think game six, that was the big one, happened on Greek Easter. So I am Greek. Um, Easter. I was up. Vis- it
1: was on a Sunday. Yeah. It it was, was I know. On it was a on a Sunday. Yeah.
3: So I was up in Westchester, New York, celebrating Easter with my family, with my phone sitting right next to my dinner plate, watching the game. Because I had heard that it had gone fucking nuts. Um, so I'm sitting there watching the game on my phone while at Easter with my family, and I just start yelling when, when the shit goes down. And they were all very confused. But my, uh, my cousin's husband is a Rangers fan, so he was um, watching the game with me on my cell phone during Greek Easter. And that was, it was just fun. It was like a family moment.
0: All right. I guess we have to get into uh Take a break now. first. the uh the current team <laughs> Take um, a break first. Oh yeah, you're I'm right. 35 you're right. in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Before we get to the depressing shit, let's take a commercial <laughs> break and uh, we'll be back on the other side with the current iteration of these horrible Philadelphia Flyers All right, fam. We are back, uh, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Flyers can accomplish something incredible. Thursday is game number forty, and they could lose their tenth straight for a second time before the halfway point of the season. Um, just, just absolutely, how's it even possible to be this to be this bad? Uh, I just, just wondering. I'm not advocating for it, I'm just wondering. If they get to 10 again, do they need to get rid of Yo too?
3: I think that's yeah. a good so, question and like this is the time to be asking that. I don't think they no.
0: no, I don't think they should either. It's just like man, another 10 game lose. I mean, it pretty much shows that it's not on the coach. They fired the coach and then they went on another 10 game losing streak, but it's kind of like Coaches that go on 10-game losing streaks tend to get fired, don't they? So you
1: know why I don't think they should or that they will? I mean, you never know. Like, the the, the only wild card in this is, like, if people at like Comcast just get so mad that it's like, well, like, you know, they get sick of seeing people screaming for blood on social media every day and they're like, fuck it, fine, we'll, we'll offer up a sacrifice for you. That's obviously the only, like, uh, you know, wild card here, but... I think there's a distinction between, and I, I touched on this a lot in my column on the, the back-to-back that I, that I published this morning. There's a distinction between the way the Flyers looked at the, you know, at the end of that 10-game losing streak, particularly the last few games of the Vino era, because he got fired after the eighth, the eighth loss, um, and how yeah. they look now. That was a team that had very clearly quit on its coach that was just it was done you know it was like this ain't working anymore we're waiting for the other shooter i told that story about how JVR said on the record when i asked him does it you get the sense that guys are kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and he's like i don't know how to answer that which is basically like well yeah they are um compare that to last night's game which the Best Flyers game in weeks because of course they, they did. looked great they for stretches they looked <laughs> they looked really good for most of that game like that's a game where you play that exact game ten times. The Flyers probably win it eight. It's just they're in a run run right now where, like, everything breaks against them because, you know, again, like, let's, let's touch into that, like, eat Arby's nihilism here. Um, that's pretty much what happened. And you know what? That happens sometimes because that's hockey. That's hockey. Sometimes you outplay a team and you lose anyway because it's a puck. It's a game played on ice with a frozen piece of rubber. Weird shit happens. Weird shit happens where you don't score on 16 straight shootout attempts in a season. How? Great. How does um, Jerry make but, you one but, of their options? Can we just... I mean... I who know. Else they're gonna I use? know. So we're going to throw, gonna, gonna throw Keith Yandel out there. Uh, we're going to throw Oscar Limblom out there who, like, can't score on breakaways because all he scores all of his goals within two feet of the net.
0: Get within like, two feet of getting? the
1: net! <laughs> yeah, but, like, he has to get there first.
0: There's no defense! Anyway.
1: He's got to get there first. Um... I don't see a team yet. And this this is subject to change. Like one thing that I always worry about when this sort of thing happens where like the process isn't that bad or it's getting better and the results don't come is like at some point the players understandably are just like going to go full nihilism and be like, well, fuck it. Like I can only hear so many times that you're going to be rewarded and then not get rewarded before you just start giving up. And that could happen here. And if it does, then who the hell knows. But like at this point, the Flyers are still playing hard for Mike Yo. The Flyers are actually playing better over the last few games than they had over the first couple games of this losing streak. So, like, until the underlying process falls apart, I don't think you look at firing the coach. Because at this point, it's a lost season anyway. Like, if you were going to try to salvage this season, you would have had to, after firing Vigneault, hire a big-name coach immediately. You know, do what Vancouver did. Go out, you know, can the guy... And hire Bruce Boudreau, hire you know, hire Claude Julian, hire John Tortorella, and then be like, that's gonna be our big instead they stuck with Yo because I think honestly, they're not exactly sure what direction they're gonna take yet in terms of rebuild versus still trying to ride this out and try to build with this core. And there's no reason in my mind to hire another five million dollar a year head coach just to, sl- to saddle them with a rebuild starting next season. So I understand why they did what they did, but the fact of the matter is they didn't do it. And now the season's basically toast. So like what really is it going to what's it going to help firing the coach if anything if the team completely craters it's probably a good thing for the long-term health of the organization because it means they have a better chance of getting a top three pick so
0: at this point just let it ride that's even I, i was thinking the same thing in terms of direction with this team um even if they are delusional and think oh you know what well next year Ellis and Couturier and Hayes. Like, if they think for some reason things are going to go well for them, that's delusional. Like, clearly they're not. But even if they, even if they convince themselves of that ridiculousness, this season is fucking over. Like, you would have to go undefeated for the rest of the year, basically, to get back in this thing with the way the teams ahead of you in the playoff race are playing. Uh, that gets me to my next point. Kevin Hayes, I've been saying for weeks he needs to be shut down. Him, Couturier, and Ellis cannot come back this year. It it serves no purpose for the good of this organization. Come back healthy next year if you actually think next year is going to be different. Okay, fine, whatever. Why, like, risk hurting these guys further so you don't have them for next season? Or... Go on a stupid run that makes your draft fucking 12th. Why would you put yourself at risk for either of those things in a year where you are one of the worst teams in the league by by a, a margin? Especially? Yeah,
3: I completely agree. Shut those guys down. I mean, they're already shut down, but don't even You
0: cannot let them come but, back.
3: Especially no, let them rest, Hayes. let them work out, let them get their their PT in, get the, the kids, which they've been doing from AHL, bring them up, get them ice time. That's this the is sad part. Is, there's no one
0: left The sad the part is there are no There's kids. a
1: reason why they, like, you, you basically have Wade Allison, who I believe will be up soon once he shows he can stay healthy for longer than a week. But that's pretty <laughs> much it. It's like Wade Allison, Igor Zamul, Like, there's a reason why Jerry, Jerry Mayhew, Mayhew yeah. is playing in the yeah. top nine right now. It's because they have no one else. Like, Isaac Ratcliffe has like six points. German Listen, Russov has like four. About like they're they're like not that. NHL players. It, and that's it really and I don't want to
3: Isaac Ratcliffe is big.
0: I don't He just wanna, needs
3: to remember he's a big boy. I true. don't
0: want to harp on this he's because large. we've rehashed it over and over, but you really are seeing the failings of the Hextall era in the lineup right now. They a team that was built on depth has zero depth. Like
3: But I I I Question that. Like, I agree. Number one, agree, because Ron Hextall did a number on this team. Um, but do you think that other teams that are just mediocre, which I think we've all agreed the Flyers are, if they were playing with the majority of their AHL players, would they be any good? No. Like, that's like.
0: But they'd have I- better I'm just options. I'm trying to
3: think. I'm trying to think. Fairly here. Like, if if the... Oh, God. Let's say Columbus Blue Jackets, because that's who they're playing next. And I just did a whole whole podcast with uh, them. So, let's say half of their team goes down and they've got to pull up half of their Cleveland Monsters.
0: That sounds dirty. They'd
3: be bad. They'd
0: be real bad. Yeah, sure. But also like comparing yourself to another mediocre like what's the point like th- well, you shouldn't I mean, have even- to you shouldn't have to go get a Jerry Mayhew or pick up a Patrick Brown off waivers you should have these guys ready to plug and play like the fact that Isaac Ratcliffe isn't ready to plug and play the fact that NAK got waived and like listen yeah NAK serving a purpose in Colorado whatever he was shit here um, like that shouldn't be you should have somebody that you've drafted in the second or third round that can fucking step on NHL ice and not look like he's a peewee player.
3: I mean, they've used all of them.
0: And that's the, like, Igor Zamula, an undrafted free agent, is one of their best options. They had a lot of picks. None of them are ever going to play up here. And that, I mean, that takes
2: me back to the story I'm constructing in my head. Like, it wasn't just us that were, that was highly touting our prospect pool like there were many many articles by many many national prospects people particularly at charlie's website that ranked the flyers farm system very very highly during the time in which all of these picks were part of the farm system none of them are panning out is that like in my mind that has to be an organizational problem like how have you not developed one of these guys into a serviceable NHL player. Not a single one.
1: See, I I, I think, I mean, that's obviously, like, I don't think it's, a, it's an unfair question. But I guess, I don't know, like, Kelly, I just find that weird coming from you considering you're the person who's yeah. like, bring everybody up to the NHL immediately because development doesn't matter. A player is what he's going to be. Like, that's generally my thought. And, like, I don't know how much development really matters so much as just Fair. how good so were these So first guys of all, really Charles,
2: bad. I've never claimed to be logically consistent, never once in my life. Um, but <laughs> also, I, I guess maybe in my head, it's less they're not developing them and more there's something about the way they run this team that's actively making them worse. I mean,
0: this like came something up... Something
2: culturally is, is hampering the talent level of players that should at the very least be serviceable NHL players
1: I think it's probably a mix like I think you you bring up NAK I think NAK is probably an example of someone who was developed poorly and I include the NHL level of that as well because the fact of the matter is is that he came up he was good he stayed up he got worse now he's playing in Colorado and he's exactly and like that like 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 that's no, but but seriously, like like somebody like Isaac Ratcliffe. I don't know if anybody could have developed Isaac Ratcliffe into a really good player. I look at him as kind of like you know what you took a shot on a lottery ticket. He was a big dude with with some with some serious skill, and like if he hits, you have yourself you know. James Van Riemsdyk, but you got him in the early second round rather than using the second overall pick on him, and that's pretty damn cool. It didn't work, but they took a shot, whatever. Whereas an NAK is a guy where, like, there's clearly a good player in there, they saw him, they fucked him up, and now he's gone and he's good again, and that's a player you have to take a hard look in the mirror and be like, how do we screw that one up? Because it's not that he's bad, it's that we made him bad.
2: Like, I honestly think that if the Flyers had picked Kale McCarr and Kale McCarr was a flyer, he would still be very, very good. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think that they would have completely ruined Kale McCarr, but I don't think he would be the player that he is in Colorado if he were here because it doesn't seem like the flyers generally value that kind of player. They would rather a safe, boring, two-way, fucking 2002-level talent player rather than someone who is risky and fucks up sometimes because he's taking risks and is go-go-go on offense and selfish or whatever. Like, all the dumb shit that we hear from Flyers people and Flyers fans. Like, I don't think that they would have made Kale McCarr into what he is right now if he were here.
3: So, I I guess the question that I have is... Who's responsible for that? Because I agree, I agree. There is something. I've been saying it for years. There is something rotten within the Flyers team. But I, I, I don't know. Like the, the the staff has turned over pretty. Not all of it.
0: Not all of them. That, no, and this, right, this not came all up. This came up on my post game, and one of the callers. I forget who it was, but he actually made a great point. Like. You know we can blame GMs and all this, and like you know, Hextall, maybe he did shut out the scouts, and maybe everyone really did want Kamik. McC- what the fuck ever. But like, you've got guys in the development and scouting department, like Dave Brown, Shell Samuelson. They've been here twenty years. Yeah. What's their and resume? What's the their thing. resume?
2: Maybe the idea of having a bunch. Of guys that played really well for the organization forty years ago, maybe having those guys as the hockey brain trust is not the move. Maybe yeah. the like this whole obsession with the alumni and the culture and all of this bullshit. Maybe
0: that's the reason why it's bad. Or like I, you know, I I I I appreciate some of the tough guys and everything and the guys who are role players, uh, but. If we're gonna turn it over to a guy who played for the team, why can't it be like fucking Mark Howe, You know, who's twenty years ahead of his time. Why? Why has it gotta be like the enforcer running yeah, the, the fucking the mucker like,
2: and the grinder? Like, 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 like why has it well, gotta be Nick why? Schultz
0: on the bench? Why can't it, like? Uh, why not be like Colorado and be like, oh, Joe Sackick, you're a Hall of Famer, superstar. Uh, right. you get to run the organization. You know, why can't it be that? Well,
3: what have they done? With their superstars. What have they done with them? They've stripped the seat yeah. on, on television, they've traded them away after signing them to new long-term contracts, or they've made sure that the only way that they're gonna win a Stanley Cup is not here. The more I think Why about it. Why would any of them want to stay? The more Why would I think any about of the it. new yeah. guard of the last two, three decades wanna stick around? The the culture
2: that people are so obsessed with maintaining and or bringing back is the problem in my They opinion.
0: fucking and it's all a what ruse. What they've been
2: doing the last 30 years is bad.
0: It's all a ruse because the late years under Clark and even, you know, right before Hextall, it's like we need to get rid of the old boys network. The people who want the culture back are the same people who thought it was what was yep. holding them back back then. Like yep. it's it's all well, a but, ruse. But like
1: but that's but it, it's not—it's not a ruse. It's just that people are mad. Like that's—that's that's why. It's—it's it's what I always come Disingenuous back to every thing. time. Every time that people scream at me for why are you not pointing out this one thing that I believe is the real reason why the flyers stink. Why are you not writing three articles a month about how awful Comcast is? Why are you not doing this? Why are you doing this? It's like. Because like, it's fake. This is all like, like here's the thing. Here's the thing. Shit's bad because the team is bad, and then you go around looking for reasons why the team is bad, and you create these narratives in your head as to why it's bad. When the root cause is just that the people that are running the team have been unable to create a winner. And I'm talking about the it, hockey. It's people. all the that hockey is, side. That is that is that is the root cause of all the anger. Because you're absolutely right. Back in 2013, 2014, when they brought in Ron Hextall. Everyone was like, We gotta stop this, you know, only hire former flyers. I mean shit. The whole reason why like the whole the whole thing and would go to go back to somebody we started out talking talking about earlier for something totally different. Like when Mike Sielski came in, his entire like thrust of all of his columns that he wrote for the inquiry, and I'm not saying this is a critique. I'm just saying this was his narrative was that The Flyers' biggest problem is that they're too focused on being the Snyder-era Flyers, and they need to change it up, and they need to have a different approach. And there were a lot of people in this market that 100% agree with Mike Sielski. And you know why they 100% agree with Mike Sielski? It's because they were pissed off the team was losing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Now, because they did that, kind of, and the team's still losing, now it's that's why the team's losing. And it's like, you're just mad. And it's fine to be just mad. But maybe take a step back and be like, it, there, it isn't because of all these other things you're saying. You're mad because the team sucks. That's the reason. And if the team got good, all this stuff wouldn't matter.
3: Do you remember Mike Siolski's article that just said culture change?
1: Vaguely. Did he write an article like that?
3: Yeah, I, I think remember. it was just culture change over and over. Like
0: over and, and, over, and over again. again. <laughs>
3: I'll have to I'll have to fact check myself, but I'm
0: almost positive. Uh, like I've said a bunch of times on the post game, like no one would care that Comcast Spectacore was was a corporation, or like if the the locks on the lounge got changed on all the alumni, if the team was good, no, no. one would give a shit. Yes. Yes, I don't care if season ticket holders get charged double everyone else if the <laughs> team wins 60% of it. I prefer not to, but I don't give a shit. I don't there care. <laughs> Steph found it. She's there showing it is. us. I
3: found it. It's from 2015. All it is is culture change.
2: Mike Sealski the upshot up of the Flyers' decision to hire Dave Haxtell. What a time. Well, that worked We were out. all into that move.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing. And like and, and and I'm not saying that fans aren't justified in being angry because they are. Team stinks, it's real frustrating, it's been a crappy decade. I'm just saying that have a little bit of self awareness and realize that a lot of the stuff that you're saying is the real the real reason why the Flyers stink is basically you trying to create logical reasons in your head for why you're so mad when it's probably better to just embrace yeah. the fact that you're mad because it's really miserable to watch shitty hockey or mediocre yeah. hockey at best for 10 straight years. That's really what's going on here. So let's try to figure out how to fix that. But like... Yeah. The, it's com, just about complete, building a better team. It's just about building complete a Complete lack you of good players is team. the
0: problem. If they had a bunch of good players, they'd be good. They have a bunch of bad players, so they're bad. Like last night, I came on post game. I was like... The Flyers uh, blew a third period lead and were unsuccessful in nine consecutive breakaways. It was their best game in weeks. Like that's where we are. That's who this yeah. team is at this. Like that's what I do. I was th- entertained okay. last night, and that was it. Okay, so I do want to go
1: back to something because this is something we talked about like 15 minutes ago, and I had a response to this. Let's talk about Ryan Ellis for a second. If there's any chance that Ryan Ellis is going to need surgery for whatever this the specific issue is, like. Shut him down immediately, have him have the surgery now. Because let's get a jump on that, let's not have happen what happened to Kevin Hayes, where, for whatever reason, he played out the fucking season before getting his core surgery, when in reality, should have been shut down in March. Because maybe if that would happen, this season wouldn't have been a wash either for him. So if there's any chance that like Couturier or Ellis is going to need surgery for whatever these issues are, yes. Shut them down because the, the the true goal right now from the organization has to be setting themselves up for next season, whether that's a rebuild or whether that's you know, let's you know, let's just decide this is another cursed season and try to be as good of a team as we are. Like that should be the goal. Let's make sure that these issues don't linger. Kevin Hayes is an interesting one for this reason. And I've said this on Twitter, I've said this in, in my article comment section a couple of times. He obviously is now going to be out for three to four weeks because he had the, the, they drained out basically a a muscle in his thigh, which is wonderful. Um, But these types of core injuries, like a lot of people scream, just shut down Kevin Hayes. I don't know if that's necessarily the move because these kind of core surgeries, a lot of them, you kind of have to play your way back from. You have to loosen up the scar tissue, and you also have to play your way back from it mentally in the sense that you have to convince your mind that every time you take a lunge, it's not going to tear again. And that's something that just takes time of you playing hockey. And it sucks for the fans because they got to watch a guy who they know is better than that play like shit as he tries to work his way back from the surgery. But we saw what happened with Claude Giroux. We saw what happened with Shane Goss' bear. They had a bad year. I don't think they have the bounce-back year they actually did have after that if they didn't play through it the year before. And I'm not a doctor. I don't know the exact specifics of Kevin Hayes' injury. If it turns out that Kevin Hayes is going to need another surgery, then yeah, shut him down. Shut him down. Call it a day. But I think a lot of that injury is about playing through it. So I don't have a problem with them continuing to play Kevin Hayes once he's back from this cleanup. If they think that's the best way for him to get back to being the real Kevin Hayes for next
0: season. And I think there's a good chance that might be the case. I would agree with you.
2: That's a good point. I would agree with
0: you if he hadn't had two other procedures already. Like, he he can work through it after this next one. In a non-contact, non-NHL setting, because clearly, it there are problems. Like every time he lunges, he does get hurt again. So, like, I, he he cannot play through this. It does not seem like that's the case. He he looks worse, and then he needed a third procedure. So, like, I. What happens when he needs the fourth one? What happens when he re injures it entirely and then next year's a watch too? Well, we didn't have our 2C again. Let's try again in 2024. Like, I, well, I mean, I just Bill, if, don't he, see a if he has
1: like, if he has another couple surgeries, we're not talking about what about the Flyers 2C. We're talking about whether Kevin Hayes can still play hockey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, I want to protect against that. He can work it out in non NHL setting. Like, he can go to Voorhees and skate all day. That's what I'm all saying. All day, every day. But, like, I just do not play re- in the I NHL.
1: I don't know if you can replicate NHL pace and NHL competitiveness in the sense of, particularly in the sense of rebuilding a player's confidence in his oh. own body.
0: Every time he's replicated it,
1: he's needed another procedure. Well, not that's not necessarily true. The second procedure was off, was off of skating, and I just don't think the first procedure took the way they wanted it to. This one is a cleanup. Like, it's literally, they're, they're draining fluid. Like, that's again, I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't strike me as like there's another tear. That strikes me as like this is part of the recovery
0: process post surgery. Um, I, when could, John Butchagross two weeks ago was talking about how he's hurt and should be shut down, to me, that came from somewhere. That yeah, wasn't that mm. they have enough connections yeah, together in the same circles that maybe it didn't come from Kevin directly. But it came from somewhere. Uh, well, that's just I, well, that's well, just conjecture. The, but the it's point I'll like the
1: point make. I'll make about that is that. I don't think that came directly from Hayes because let me put it this way. From what I've heard, the, no, reason, Hayes wants to play. the reason why Kevin Hayes is not getting shut down is because Kevin Hayes wants to play. That's the yeah. reason. That is the reason why Kevin Hayes didn't have the surgery early because Kevin Hayes felt like I'm a $7 million a year player. I can't quit on my team. Even if this is a lost season and really the Flyers should have been like, look, Kevin, I I, I appreciate where you're coming from, but like, you got to get this freaking surgery.
0: I just think there's zero benefit. Like, Him working his way back, that sounds like a camp thing to me. (laughs) Stay in shape, get your physical therapy out of the way, and then hit the ground running next season if that's what the Flyers choose to do because this season is pointless. And to that point, real quick, before we wrap, what's up, Steph? What do you got?
3: All I'm trying to say for the past 10 minutes is conditioning stint in Lehigh Valley.
1: Yeah, I don't that, want him that, you know, playing. That's only
0: going to take a little bit of time.
3: Exactly. I mean, Who cares? Shut him down for the I... rest of the season. Give him a conditioning stint. You're good.
0: I don't want him playing competitive hockey. I, that, until it, it, next it's year. not
3: competitive hockey with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms.
0: Yeah, Fair. but you only get, what, like five
1: games with that? I mean, that's not going to ah. make a, a huge difference either way. Yeah,
3: I don't care. I, I don't want him playing in the NHL this season. Let him rest. The dude has had a fucking brutal time of it lately. Take
1: a nap, Kevin Hayes. Real I think, quick. I think he wants to play, though. I think that's a big thing too. Is that no? He definitely he wants does to play.
3: But at and some point, he thinks
1: he thinks that's going to make him. He thinks that's going to make him feel better mentally too. Right. Playing hockey and it's rather not, than laying because around.
3: it's not working. So Kevin Hayes, my dude. Number one, call me. I'll help you through your trauma. Number two, take a nap
0: real quick uh, just cuz i asked about yo and i don't think anyone thinks he should be like fired over a 10 game losing streak because what's the point he's the interim coach he's here to absorb the blows and really even then like who's on the organizational depth chart here lappy and nick schultz like that's what we're that's what we're looking at so yeah um, damn but with the general manager chuck fletcher i think there's a lot of question what direction they're gonna take like we've said a bunch of times if they're gonna rebuild like how do you entrust the guy who was like no i'm all in well your plan failed yeah but my next one will work like, i don't know but looking at the looking at the potential pieces the flyers have to move over the next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline claude Giroux, justin braun rasmus Ristolainen. Martin Jones, Derek Broussard, maybe Keith Yandel? Uh maybe Nate Thompson? I I'm just joking <laughs> with those two, but whatever. There's a reasonable chance the Flyers are able to stockpile like a significant number of assets from this trade deadline. If Fletcher like gets what we deem strong value from G, maybe pulls a few of those Hextalian trades uh from the depth guys, should he be considered to stay to get us through whatever this next whatever this next portion is.
2: I don't think it matters. I don't think there's a single chance in hell he's getting fired. So. Right.
1: I disagree. He's guy. I disagree with this. Oh, really? I mean, I think really? there's I think there are people in the organization that are big Fletcher guys, but I don't think it's like universal. I think everybody likes Fletcher as a person. I think, they, oh, I think they like him in terms of his collaborative uh, you know, approach to, to being a GM. I think they like the fact that he makes everyone feel included. I think they like him in that sense. But, like, this season has been a disaster. And mm-hmm. there's definitely an element of people in the organization that are like, look, like, you kind of sold us that this is going to be better. And it ain't. And there's only so many times you can sell us that you're going to be able to figure this out before we have to just come to the conclusion that, look, we might like you as a dude, and you might seem smart, but how many times are you going to build a bad team before we have to believe that you can't build a good one? So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, Fletcher goes. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I agree there. Um, And and something that I pointed to with... um, Columbus podcast is Fletcher is also team president so he's just like a little bit more ingrained yeah, but there, there's definitely that a is often a combination though that, yeah that they all just decide that this is not the best fit but that being said from a personal standpoint like I am so sick of a new general manager every three to four years like can, can, can one of them please just stick. Like I'm, I'm just so sick of the turnstile of coaches, general managers. I'm sick of it all. I mean, I think what I'm you're sick. more, what you're
1: asking is like, can yeah. one of them actually, can one of them good be job? good?
2: Right.
3: Please. <laughs> I am screaming to the heavens. One of you just do your job. Decently, I'm not even saying well. Just one of you, one is all I'm looking for because I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. I'm tired, and stop it. Thank you.
1: So the, I mean, one of the concerns here, I, I feel like if Fletcher, if Fletcher goes, he'll go because of just like general frustration on the part of Comcast for House far the situation has devolved because as team president like you know yeah the he basically answers to Dave Scott and Dave Scott would have to be the one who makes this call now granted Dave Scott might talk to people like Paul Holmgren and Bob Clark and whatever but like in the end in the end it's 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 Dave Scott's call now if there was a president above Chuck Fletcher then that would be the president's call the same way you know Paul Holmgren you know was a major major reason why Ron Hextall got fired and Paul Holmgren was the team president above Ron Hextall technically at the time of that whole thing, um, but now that Fletcher is team president and GM, yeah, I mean now this is this is pretty much Comcast call. If the, the the one concern I have on that front is like, I am I am open to Fletcher, you know, basically basically telling Chuck Fletcher, look, give me your you know three year plan as to how you're going to do this, you know, and. Maybe we're gonna like like talk to some other people and hear their three year plans and see if we like their three year plans better. Like that would be for me to me like an ideal thing. Like see who whose three year plan seems the most doable, logical, and even ambitious. The problem is is that like and and I'm not one of those people who's like you know screaming that you know Comcast has to sell the team and Dave Scott is awful and all this other stuff. Like but I mean. Who are they presenting to? Are they presenting to Dave Scott? Because Dave Scott, I think by his own acknowledgement is not like a hockey expert. So how is he going to be able to tell if like Chuck Fletcher's plan is better than, you know, whoever whatever hot GM prospect you're looking at to come in and do a rebuild?
0: So that's what makes They're going to present They're going to present to President Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why they're going to
1: do a better job than Chuck Fletcher being GM. Yeah.
0: I mean that would be interesting. It's like you, a game show. You have to beat the like you have to beat the guy out, and he gets to make yeah. the decision. That'll that that would be an be, interesting. That should
1: be a reality show. It would be an interesting thing. I don't think the fly. I mean, you can't rule anything out. Given how bad the season went, it would be interesting if Comcast went to Fletcher and was like, "Look, we'd like to keep you around as president, but we want to get a new GM." That would be interesting. I that don't. That would
3: be fascinating.
1: I don't know how Fletcher would respond to that. Because he's only been a GM, really, um, and yeah. moving into that team president role is kind of like, hey, maybe you're not a GM anymore because you're just not that good at it. But that is an interesting concept. It would that be that is interesting. It would be because weird. It is,
3: it is a promotion, kind well, of. Well, I mean,
1: not really, because he's already president.
3: Because he's already the president, but it's basically I'm a restructuring. It's a. restructuring It will continue of the, the
0: cycle. It will continue the cycle of guys getting fired up, like. Paul Holmgren, you yeah. Paul Holmgren, you've ruined the team. You are president now. Ron Hextall you is your replacement. Up. You're his boss. Yep. <laughs>
2: like, I I do think the team would benefit from separating those roles. Probably. I do think that they yeah. would benefit from having a hockey guy in between the general manager and Dave Scott. That,
0: probably, yeah,
1: yeah, probably. And and you're seeing why right now because yeah, yeah. because Chuck has full power basically unless he's going to get fired. That's really the only avenue they have, at least in terms of my understanding of it. So the question is, do you want to do it? And Chuck has support. I mean, look, like we talked about it on the show last week about the the Bob Clark comments. And I do think that a lot of that is driven by the fact that Bob Clark is in Chuck's corner. Bob Clark's a Chuck, but, you know, Chuck's a Bob Clark guy. So Bob Clark is probably being like, you know, this ain't Chuck's fault. You know, give keep give Chuck a chance to to fix this. This is all kind of residual from the mistakes of the Hextall era, and I'm sure Bob Clark honestly believes that. But Bob Clark, I'm sure, as one is when you have friends, you're going to be biased towards your friends.
0: How the fuck is Bobby Clark still running this organization twenty
1: years later? I mean, he's not running the organization, but he's got a big voice in it. Seems like should it? he like that's <laughs> i I'm, I'm I'm not going to harp on it anymore.
0: I, no, he's a 70-year-old man. I don't think anybody like Maybe this uh, Ruble, isn't the way. Yeah, like I whatever. We got a lot of time to harp on this. Uh the team is fucking terrible. I for really want the them the rest
3: of all time.
0: I really want Forever I really and want ever. them I really want them to lose their 10th in a row for the second time on third. Like I am rooting for Columbus. It sucks that they they now have these bad teams that they Just must for eat. the takes. Yeah. The With Columbus and then Buffalo, like, they might win two in a row but and ruin yeah. our uh, 10-game losing streak. But probably not, because, like, they're horrible. Uh, all right. Anyone I have anything else? I no.
3: predicted 3-1 for the Columbus game. 3-1 Columbus Are you doing game. pre-games
2: I, for another podcast? <laughs> I Are you am, doing their check? Uh, <laughs> you're doing their checking out the competition? They
3: didn't specifically tell me that it was that. They asked for an interview. Fair enough. So, yes, but also Welp not on purpose.
0: All right, everybody uh, Everybody, make sure to get those prop bets in on Jake Voracek for the game on Thursday. He apparently <laughs> is not is
1: likely to not play. He still has oh, a COVID it. protocol. So you Jake gotta be doesn't seem
0: like he's coming back.
1: Are that's you a, shitting me? That's yeah, a bunch actually, of bullshit. Jake, actually, a direct <laughs> quote by Jake Voracek on Twitter.com directed
0: towards yours truly, Charlie O'Connor. I've been blocked by him for years. I don't know why. Uh, all right. That is. I mean I time can guess.
3: <laughs> Jake I love loves Jake. I mean, I've never been blocked.
0: I love Jake. Like I was one of the Jake defenders. That's like yeah. I was blocked. My overall blocked. tone is Yeah, whatever. That's all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever their are podcasts. And boom, content, content, content. So much shit, I don't care to name it all. You'll find it just by hitting subscribe. It'll come right to you. All right, that's it uh, for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!